Stories from a Hard Place is an anthology podcast. Every Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another story from a hard place, read by the author. Stories of loneliness and betrayal, of false hope and shattered dreams, of gifts and regrets, of love and accidental kindness. Each story follows a separate path that leads to the realization that sometimes the only solution is a lead pill. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Episode 33, The Touch. This is part three of a three-part telling. He pushed himself up to a sitting position and knowing where he was, looked around. To his left was the river. In front was the pier. A large boat, like a massive gondola, was moored at the end of the pier. Adam stood and brushed off his hands. He started walking toward the pier. As he watched, the boat pushed off, slid quietly into the current of the river. He kept walking, all the while watching the boat move upstream. The boat looked small as it neared the far shore. He looked back at the pier. A man stood at the end. Adam recognized the man's silhouette. It was Mr. White, standing, looking out across the river at the boat. When Adam stepped on the planks, Mr. White turned and smiled. Adam looked at the handsome man with his stacked hair and forked goatee. He was dressed as he had been. So you are death, Adam said. I have many names. I have so many names I do not know them all. But you knew that, Adam. You knew this place, and you knew who I was when I came to visit you. Yeah, I suppose I did. Mr. White smiled and looked across the river. The boat is continuously making its runs. Jean is split between running his club and manning the oars. His club? Adam asked. Yes, he runs several clubs for me. He turned and looked at Adam. Let's go someplace a bit nicer. White. Just white. Bright, brilliant white for a second, like a flash of a camera directly into his face. After the dark of the river valley, it blinded Adam and left spots that danced in front of his eyes. When the after-images settled, he found themselves standing in the greenhouse surrounded by the plants Adam had brought back to life. That's better, Mr. White said. Adam looked around, dazzled. He stepped back, his mouth open. So old Tom gave you quite a gift. From the greenhouse, Mr. White noticed the black smear on the glass of the kitchen. What did you do to my crow? I know she was on her way to me. She arrived, but then something changed. Now I see it was your doing. I didn't do anything to that bird. It attacked me, Adam said. Well, the crow was in my realm, and you dragged her back. At least a piece of her, and not the nice part. I can't help wondering what old Tom was thinking giving you this gift. It's not unusual, I can tell you. Mr. White looked at Adam. Then he smiled. I'm sorry. I was just thinking out loud. I know old Tom has his reasons. Well, I think he was surprised that I could do what I've been doing. I got the feeling he thought you had something to do with it, Adam said. Me? Now that is interesting. Mr. White seemed lost in thought. Just for a second, Adam was sure he saw wings made of small bones and feathers attached to Mr. White's back drag against the planter boxes as he walked deeper into the greenhouse. He stopped. Slightly embarrassed, he said, Sorry. 
He glanced over his shoulder and the wings reappeared. They looked like a thousand small bones, maybe finger bones, had been laced together in thin strips of leather to form massive wings. Large black feathers had been shoved here and there. Mr. White looked at Adam with a weirdly shy pride and stretched his wings out. They creaked, leather and bone straining. They were impressive, but they could not open completely in the confines of the room. They scraped against both glass walls. Wow, Adam breathed. Mr. White beamed. He was obviously very proud of his wings. I don't usually unfold them. They were a gift. He smiled with pleasure as Adam looked at them. A gift? That's an unusual gift. Yes. Honestly, you don't know the half of it, Mr. White said, a hardness in his voice. Adam looked at him, not understanding. The wings were given to me by someone I held very dear. Mr. White seemed to regret saying anything. I must be off. I will visit soon. Adam stared at the spot where Mr. White had stood. Adam hadn't liked Mr. White's last words. Did he mean that he would die soon, or did he mean simply that he was going to visit again? Adam walked down the greenhouse looking at his plants. The plants that he had revived were huge, far larger than the plants he hadn't touched, but their shape was disturbing. They were twisted and gnarled, hideous versions of what they had been. He studied them. They seemed to sense him and move toward him. He was shocked to realize he felt fear. There was anger in these plants, anger towards him. He stepped back. He left the greenhouse and went to the kitchen. The black smear on the glass was gone. Someone or something had cleaned the mess up. He looked, not understanding. It was only early afternoon, but he was exhausted. He felt as though he could barely stay upright. He walked into the living room and sat on his couch, planning just to sit for a minute or two. It was dark when he woke, though he wasn't sure what time it was. He had stretched out on the couch at some point. The clock on the stove read 3.36. He had slept for several hours, and yet he still felt tired. He walked up to his bedroom, not questioning the house or any of the strangeness around him. He would have to call Jerry in the morning. He wasn't sure what he'd say. He wasn't going to work any time soon. How was he going to explain this to him, or for that matter, anyone? It didn't make sense. It didn't even make sense to him if he stopped to think about it. He was too tired to worry about it. As he undressed and laid down to bed, he hoped he wouldn't dream. He hoped death and the devil would leave him alone just for tonight. The black water was nearly to his knees and swirled around his legs. It moved like something alive. He watched it as it curled, little fingers of black reaching up his legs. Panicked, he leapt back onto the cool black sand. His heart beat frantically. He felt slightly dizzy. His breath came in short, ragged gulps. His legs were completely dry. The water slid from him, twisting its way back to the river, small snakes of inky black that curled and wriggled. He watched them till they had slithered completely back to the river. The river seemed to tug at him gently, urging him to walk into its swirling blackness. It took an effort to turn from its undulating surface and walk away from its call. As soon as he looked away, the river's call weakened. His breathing slowed, his heart returned to normal. He felt something was wrong, even though he couldn't point to what it was. He knew where he was, 
but it felt different. As before, the far-off mountains stood, massive black shapes against the dark sky. He couldn't decide how far away they were. They seemed a long way, but at the same time very close. The black sand beach was empty as far as he could see. The air was still and cool, almost cold. He trudged up the bank, putting a bit of distance between the river and himself. He had no destination, just felt he needed to move, to not stand still. It was definitely colder, not cold enough to see your breath, if that were possible here, but cold. As he walked, he felt a light breeze from behind him. Far off on the beach, he saw movement, a flicker. It vanished. But he was sure he had seen something. He squinted, straining to see. He kept walking, staring hard at the spot. Yes, there it was again. He started walking faster. The light breeze seemed stronger, almost pushing him forward. There was definitely movement. He was walking fast now, nearly running. The movement disappeared. He slowed. The breeze that had been sporadic was now constant. No longer a breeze, but a wind. The black sand shifted, kicking up as he walked. Something about the wind made him uneasy. The movement was back. It was a figure waving its arms. Adam was unsure if the figure was waving in greeting or trying to warn him. Each step he took kicked up more sand. The wind caught the grains and carried them forward. It was definitely a man waving with both arms. There was something familiar about him. He was definitely trying to warn him. Adam glanced behind him. He could no longer see the distant mountains. They were completely obliterated by the darkness. Flying sand stung his face. He squinted into the wind. Swirls of sand slid past him. He looked back at the man. He was frantically waving both arms high in the air. Adam started to run. The wind pushed at his back. He could hear an indistinct mumbling on the wind. The man seemed to be getting more frantic. Adam ran faster. The wind now was a force against his back, threatening to push him over. With a jolt, he realized he recognized the figure. It was himself. He skidded to a stop. He watched himself wave wildly and point past him. The figure started to run towards him. The wind surged. Tentacles of black sand wrapped around him and grabbed him. They closed around his body like massive fingers and squeezed. He was lifted off the ground. The other Adam was screaming as he ran forward. Adam couldn't hear his words, just saw the wide open mouth. There was terror on his face. Suddenly, Mr. White was beside Adam. Time to go, he said as he slid his arm around Adam's waist and pulled. Adam had a glimpse of himself standing on the black beach, arms raised, a defeated look on his face. Then he was standing in his new kitchen with Mr. White. Adam staggered slightly and caught himself on the edge of the counter. Mr. White smiled. Well, that was interesting. How are you doing, Adam? I'm fine, he said without thinking. Of course he wasn't fine. He was shaking. It had felt like a giant hand had grasped him and squeezed. Good. Well, I'll stop by in a couple of days. Have a great day, Mr. White walked into the air. Adam opened his mouth, but it was too late to say anything. The kitchen was immaculate, every surface perfectly cleaned and polished. He looked at the clock, ten in the morning. He felt tired. He always felt tired. He never used to feel tired. Now he felt tired all the time. 
If he was awake, he felt tired. He moved about the kitchen on autopilot making coffee. He walked into the living room with a mug in his hand and sat. He thought about the black beach and the other him standing there in his dream. It was a dream, he said out loud to the empty room. It sounded false. It was a dream, he whispered, unsure. His thoughts were interrupted by a bang at the door. It was Jerry, his boss, and he looked upset. Adam rose and walked to the door. Jerry, he said, come in. Adam, you look like shit. And what the hell's going on? I went to your apartment, the door was wide open, and it looked like it had been ransacked. There's shit scattered about. It's an absolute mess. It took me a couple of days to find out where you'd moved to. I thought you were faking being sick. Thought you'd inherited money. Jerry paused. But you are sick, aren't you? I'm fine, Adam said, not really knowing what to say. Fine, Jerry said. Have you looked at yourself? You're not fine. You look like shit. You've lost a ton of weight. Adam looked down. Yes, it was true. He had noticed, but ignored it. Losing weight was a good thing, wasn't it? But it was more than that. He felt drained all the time. Even now, as he stood, he was feeling faint. Come in, Jerry, Adam said, and without waiting, he turned, walked to the front room and sat, grateful to have made it to the couch. Jerry followed, but didn't sit. Adam, you don't look good, he said quietly. And what's with this house? Whose is it? It's mine, Adam said. He looked down, suddenly embarrassed. It's mine. Yours? I don't understand. Yours? How can it be yours? Did you come into some money? No, I just have a very good realtor. Adam stood. Jerry, why are you here? Why am I here? Jerry looked stunned. You don't show up for work for weeks. Your apartment looks like you were robbed. And you look like you're deathly sick. I'm worried about you. Adam looked at Jerry. Tears rose in his eyes. Adam was touched. They had never really hung out. They worked together, and after so many years of seeing each other almost every day, they had become friends. Adam stepped forward, wrapped his arms around Jerry. He was crying. He hugged Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. I hadn't realized how much I needed someone to care. I have been in a very strange situation for the last few weeks. You would not believe me if I told you all that has happened. Jerry hugged him back hesitantly. Hugging wasn't something he did, but he did now. It's okay, Jerry said. Adam couldn't believe how good it felt to hug someone. He hadn't known how badly he needed it. He squeezed a bit harder and something shifted. He hugged Jerry tightly and started to feel better for it. He felt his body regain its energy. He felt strength come back into his arms. He groaned as vitality swam through him. He felt the pounding in his blood, in his temples. He squeezed harder, pulling Jerry into him. He released Jerry, feeling embarrassed at hugging so hard and for so long. He pulled away, mumbling an apology. Jerry stood, swaying in front of him. All color had left him. He had shrunk. 
His eyes stared out of dark holes in his sagging face. He looked like a balloon that had lost its air, Adam thought. Even as he felt the horror of what he was seeing, Jerry's clothes hung off him in large drapes. His pants slid to the floor. Adam watched them pool around Jerry's shoes. When he looked back up, Jerry's face looked gray and cracked. It started to flake like burnt paper. Jerry's eyes opened wider. His irises turned milky, and he crumpled to the ground. Adam stood looking at the pile of clothes covered with what looked like ash. Adam sat heavily on the floor. Finally, a voice from behind Adam. He leapt to his feet. Mr. White was standing behind him, smiling and lightly clapping. It took you a while, but you finally got there, Mr. White said. What? What do you mean? Adam asked. <laughs> Look at yourself. I thought the next time I came here was going to be for you, but no, it's for your poor friend here, Mr. White gestured to the pile of clothes. Adam looked at the clothes, feeling confused. I don't know what happened to him. He just fell apart, Adam said. You did that. That's all you. I didn't do that. No? Are you sure? Felt pretty good to suck the life out of him, didn't it? Mr. White smiled at Adam. Adam frowned. I didn't do anything. Adam knew he had even as he said it. Haven't you noticed when you give life to your plants or to that poor crow the other day, you get weaker? Mr. White asked. Adam didn't say anything. Well, no matter. Now you know. What are you going to do about it? Adam looked back at Jerry's remains. When he looked back, Mr. White was gone. Adam cursed softly. He thought about all that had happened in the last few weeks. It all felt dreamlike. He had no good rationale for any of it. He headed for the greenhouse. He pulled open the glass door and caught his reflection. It stopped him. He looked at himself. It was him, but like he had never seen himself in his life, not even in his teens. The person reflected in the glass was beautiful. He was straight, strong, and muscular. He looked down at himself. His arms were ribbed with muscle, with meaty biceps, heavy triceps, and nearly heroic forearms and chest. He had the body like Jean-Claude. He looked back at his reflection and grinned. Now this was great, he thought, and smiled. He continued to the greenhouse, a new spring in his step. In the greenhouse, he smiled with pleasure as he breathed in the wonderful, moist, rich musk of the growing plants. He closed his eyes and breathed. He opened his eyes and looked down the rows of his plants. Adam smiled at the health and vitality he saw there, the shades of green bursting with life, until he saw the few plants he had brought back to life. Those burst with life, but not life he recognized. If it was life, it was a dark life, almost an anti-life. The plants they had started out to be were twisted. They had grown massive, sprouting great tentacles that had reached out, strangling the smaller plants that shriveled and turned black. The grotesque plants brandished black flowers with stamens that dripped a dark syrup. Adam pulled back from them. With rising horror, he realized they shifted slightly, reacting to his presence. These abominations were killing his plants. He ran back to the kitchen and grabbed the biggest chef knife he had. Armed, he attacked them. 
hacked at their stalks, cleaving through even as they slowly reached for him. One dark blossom spat at him, hitting him in the shoulder with its dark liquid. It burned like acid where it touched Adam's skin. Gritting his teeth, he kept hacking. A chemical smell filled the air. The acid burned his arm. It started to grow numb. A weird tingle began spreading out from the burnt spot outward. When he realized he could no longer swing a knife with that arm, he switched hands and continued until he'd hacked them all to pieces. He stood gasping for breath. His right arm was nearly useless, hanging limply at his side. He was covered in black gore and sap. He staggered back, staring at the destruction he had wrought. He stumbled to make the door. He needed to get to the house. He didn't make it. He had just stepped through the greenhouse door when a wave of blackness clamped down on his head and he fell forward. He did not feel himself hit the ground. Immediately he knew where he was. The black sand stretched out in front of him. He started walking, looking for his other self. He had questions and he didn't know how long he had. After a few paces he broke into a run. Far down the beach he could see a brighter spot. He hoped it was him. As he ran, he called his own name. The lighter spot grew, became a figure seated on the sand looking out at the river. He called louder. The figure didn't seem to hear him. Behind Adam, a breeze began to push against his back. He ran faster, calling out, but there was no reaction from the figure. When he got close enough to see it was him, he slowed. There was something not right. The figure was very still. The breeze buffeted him. He picked up his pace and ran flat out. He slid to a stop only a few paces from the seated figure. The figure that sat there was himself, dressed in a white shirt and light-colored pants. He sat with his arms wrapped around his knees. He must have died that way. He was nearly a skeleton. What flesh remained was shriveled and dried like leather. Adam walked up to the corpse. How long had he sat here? How long had Adam been away? Wasn't it just a few hours ago? He stood, looking down at the man that had been, while the breeze built, tugging at him. Adam took a step back as the corpse's head turned, creaking like old leather, and regarded him with shriveled, raisin-like eyes. So you finally returned, it said, jaw creaking. He began to move with jerky, hesitant movements, with a sound like breaking twigs mixed with tearing cloth. It rose onto its feet and turned to Adam. The white shirt and pants started to tear with the movement, exposing the brittle gray-brown flesh and bone beneath. Fabric tore and bits dropped as it raised its arm, reaching for Adam. I didn't think you would come back. I thought the temptation had been too great. Temptation? Adam asked. Yes, to play God. God? What do you mean? More bits of cloth tore and fell. Bits of dry, leathery flesh broke off, dropping to the black sand. The breeze now was a wind that pulled at them both. Look, we don't have much time, and it's too late to undo it. Think about what we asked from old Tom. What we always wanted. I just wanted a garden to grow things, Adam said. Fuck, I can be so stupid. Think about what you really wanted. 
I won't be here the next time you stop by. Time is very different here. I know you know because I am you. But you have to say it. I am only your shade. The soul you sold to old Tom. The wind now was howling. A corpse that was Adam could barely stand against the constant buffeting. The white shirt now was just a few strips of fabric strung across ribs and arms of the dead Adam. As Adam watched, the arm that was extended towards him broke off and fell to the ground. Both Adams watched it fall. Again? A voice said, just audible above the wind. You are tenacious, Mr. White said, as he grabbed Adam by the shoulders and shoved him. Adam opened his right eye. He was laying on his lawn. The sun was up. He had no idea how long he'd lain in the grass. One leg was still half in the greenhouse. In front of his eye, he could see the blades of grass. As he had as a child, he watched fascinated as a small beetle walked up a blade of grass. It reached the top, which had been cut off by a lawnmower and was square with brown edges. The beetle perched for a second on the pinnacle, rocked, then spread its elytra and large filmy wings unfolded. Adam was pleased he still remembered the proper names of parts of a beetle. He was tempted to catch the small creature and take it inside and examine it as he had so many times before. However, this time he watched it leap, dip slightly, then fly away. He lay for a few more minutes. He pushed himself up on all fours, then stood. His right arm was shrunken. Its skin was thin and papery, like the arm of a very old man. He flexed his fingers. The bones stood out under the pale skin. He compared his left to his right. His left was full and youthful, as was the rest of his body. His clothes were both burnt-looking and crusted with dry, greenish spots. His t-shirt and his jeans were full of holes, and they smelled horrible. Adam looked back at his plants. His plants. The plants he had attacked were blackish-brown, a thin smoke curled around them. All the smaller plants around them were dead and drooping down and turning brown, but the plants further away looked okay. He went into the house to change. In the bedroom, he pulled off his ruined clothes and tossed them on the floor. He examined his reflection in the full mirror. He was quite a sight. Most of his body was untouched by the poison, except for a few burnt spots. His right arm hung nearly skeletal at his side, a stark contrast to his left, which was bursting with health. He had never looked like this. He had abs. He was beautiful, a perfect example of a gymnast or a professional swimmer. He admired the vision of himself in the mirror. He smiled as he thought, I look like a Greek god. The doorbell rang. Adam turned from the mirror and took some clothes from a closet. He pulled on a pair of pants and put on a shirt as he left the bedroom and walked downstairs. He was finishing buttoning the last button when he noticed he had put on a fine white linen shirt and a quick glance confirmed he had on light-colored pants. As he walked across the front room, he saw a small shape standing at his door. He opened the door and looked at the young girl standing there holding a box of cookies. A girl guide in full uniform a bag beside her with more boxes of cookies. Hi, my name's Melissa, and I'm selling chocolate chip mint cookies to raise funds for our annual trip to the museum. By buying boxes from Girl Guide Cookies, you are helping us reach our goals. 
Each box of Girl Guide cookies is only $5, and every box brings us closer to our museum trip, she said. For a second, Adam just stared. This normal event seemed so out of place in his life. It made everything that had happened even stranger, more bizarre. Um, yes, yes, of course, I'll buy four. Just give me a sec to find my wallet, he said, and walked away, leaving the door open. Melissa stepped into the house, set her bag down, and started pulling out boxes. She was smiling, happy to be selling the last of her cookies. Adam returned, pulling a 20 from his wallet, and extended it to her. She took it, slipped it into her pocket, and picked up the boxes of cookies. Adam reached for the cookies, and his finger on his right hand touched Melissa's hand. Immediately he could feel the warmth and strength flow into his fingertips. He grasped her hand and pulled. She yelped and dropped the boxes of cookies. Adam held her hand and watched it shrink as his hand puffed up like a balloon. He gripped her tighter as she struggled. The flow of strength and energy sped up. He could feel it flow into him like a hose, up his arm and into his body. It felt amazing. He closed his eyes until he noticed that she had stopped struggling. Her eyes bulged. Her face sank into itself. He opened his eyes when he could no longer feel her hand in his. Beside the box of cookies and the bag was a uniform in a pile scattered with white ashes. He stood looking at the pile, horrified at what he had done. He staggered back till he was against the couch. He sat still, staring at the pile. Well, I never saw this coming. A girl guide! Mr. White stood beside Adam. That's some godly shit right there. Adam looked at Mr. White. What? It's the sort of thing a god would do, don't you think? I mean, killing off the innocent just to gain more life, Mr. White said. Adam looked at him. He remembered the word he had said to himself on the black beach. To play god, he whispered. Yes! Now you're getting it! Old Tom certainly has a sense of humor. Twisted for sure, Mr. White chuckled. I don't understand, Adam said, looking at Mr. White. All I wanted was a house with a garden to grow things. Fuck, you're slow. Your shade was so right about you, which I guess makes sense. He is you, Mr. White reached in his jacket and pulled out a bright object and set it in front of Adam. He also said you would be needing this. Adam looked at the handgun that gleamed on the table. He frowned and looked back at Mr. White. His eyes returned to the gun, then to the small pathetic uniform in a pile surrounded by scattered cookies. He had killed her, taken her life, and brought it into himself. He glanced at his right arm, no longer shrunken, now full, strong, and youthful. He knew he had felt amazing as he did it, as the energy flowed into him, but he also knew it was the power he felt over her that had felt good. He had the power of life and death just as he had over his plants and over the bug in the yard. It wasn't life he loved and wanted. He knew that when he met old Tom, what he had asked for was the power of life and death. He wanted that power, the power of both life and death. He wanted the power of a god. Mr. White smiled. There you go. You got it. Adam knew it was true. 
The knowledge rocked him. He had defined himself his entire life as a nice, caring man. Now that was flipped upside down. He saw himself in a new, dark light. A light he did not like. He could live forever, knowing he was not the man he thought he was. Or he could stop now. Even as he thought it, he knew his decision. It had been there all along. His decision had been sitting on the banks of the Black River waiting. The temptation of forever was great, but it's impossible to live forever when you can't live with yourself, even for a minute longer. Adam reached for the chrome weight that sat on the table in front of him. He turned the surprisingly small hole towards himself, positioned his thumb on the trigger, opened his mouth and slid the cold barrel in. It clicked against his teeth, hard and cold. A line came to him, remembered from long ago. Sometimes, the only solution is a lead pill. I hope you've enjoyed the conclusion of The Touch. Tune in next week for Radio SHP 666 Backroad Radio, The Voice of Hard Place. Music by Noah Zachran. Production copyright by R.A. Jacobson 2021. If you would like to support Stories from a Hard Place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hard place. If you'd like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it on Amazon. You can find links to all these and much more at Dead Cat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Thanks for listening. Keep the shiny side up. <laughs>